From the MGMA in-home studios, welcome to the Insights Podcast. I'm Daniel Williams. Well, everyone has emotional intelligence. It's really just your instincts kicking in. And it hits me just like it hits everybody else. People need to know their value. Everyone needs to be recognized for their value and everyone has a gift. And really, that's all emotional intelligence is, is recognizing and being aware of your own emotions and your relationship management with others and their other emotions. I think leaders and administrators, think about how many interactions and actions you have every day. And your words mean a lot as a leader. People really take it as gospel. That's Susan Childs talking about emotional intelligence and how practice leaders can implement emotional intelligence into their communication with their staffs. We'll hear more from Susan in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsors. A strong financial foundation is critical for any healthcare organization. With Allscripts Revenue Cycle Management Services, you get a robust, end-to-end, revenue cycle solution that improves reimbursement processes and offers access to advanced analytics and reporting. With the right partner by your side, get on track toward a healthier financial future. Allscripts can help you reduce the cost of care while building a healthier community. Learn more at allscripts.com. It's all about you this fall. Accelerate your path to medical practice leadership. Be empowering, be influential, be exceptional, be a leader. Join us in San Diego, October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference. Or join us for our digital experience, November 16th through the 18th. Visit MGMA dot com slash mpe21 and register today. Our guest today is Susan Childs, founder and president of Evolution Healthcare Consulting. Susan's here today to talk about how healthcare leaders can affirm and balance their medical practice by accessing emotional intelligence. Susan, Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Yes. All right. Well, we have had you on the show before, but it's been a couple of years here. It's been pre-pandemic. So give our audience an idea on what you've been up to the last year, year and a half or so, and where your focus has been. It's, it's been an interesting year and a half. Um, mostly dealing, helping practices just get through this. Um, in the beginning, of course, nobody needed anybody to help and come in and consult. They were trying to see patients and take care of themselves and their staff. So there's no need for anyone like me. And I think about the end of last year, fall of last year, morale started falling, burnout started happening, patients started getting angrier, people needed a little more balancing and just some issues arising with clients. And so I kind of you know, kept the peace for a while with a lot of the clients and, um, you know, helped them balance out their staff, did some emotional intelligence training, um, helped them with their morale too, because you have to, you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of someone else. And a lot of the managers are getting burned out because they were so busy trying to take care of the practice and be everything to everybody. But as everyone knows, you can't help someone unless you're good yourself. So it's 
taking care of yourself and being aware of what you need as well through this. And now we're beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe. Um, we, th we certainly thought we were, and it's gone backwards, but as many people have said, this is a different year. We had the vaccine. We can move forward. We know what to do. And that's what people are doing with their staff and their patients. So I'm helping them move forward. Resilience comes into mind a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you hit some of the key terms there, burnout, resilience, emotional intelligence. Those are all things that have been top of mind here. So uh, thanks for sharing that with us. And I, I wanted to stick with one of those terms, emotional intelligence, because you're going to be speaking on that topic at our uh, Leaders Conference in San Diego in October. So first of all, let's just start at the very basic level. We have talked about emotional intelligence on this podcast before, but we might have new listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, you may have a different interpreta interpretation on it or just a different way to uh, go into that topic. So why is, first of all, I want to ask you, why is emotional intelligence so important to you? I mean, because you've devoted a lot of your time, your research, your hours um, in researching and, and uh, exploring this topic. Why does emotional intelligence resonate uh, so much with you? Well, everyone has emotional intelligence. It's really just your instincts kicking in. And it hits me just like it hits everybody else. People need to know their value. Everyone needs to be recognized for their value and everyone has a gift. And really, that's all emotional intelligence is, is recognizing and being aware of your own emotions and your relationship management with others and their other emotions. I think leaders and administrators, think about how many interactions and actions you have every day. And your words mean a lot as a leader. People really take it as gospel. So you have to be really careful how you communicate, who you communicate, what you communicate, and, and body language, everything it makes a world of difference. You can have a really impactful meeting, or you can have a meeting where somebody's looking down and not paying attention. You know, emotional intelligence is being aware that you need to pay attention. And again, the last year and a half has really shown everybody what their priorities are. And every manager I work with and have known recently and for a long time, again, they were busy raising morale with everybody else. And part of that is that value and then emotional intelligence and awareness of your own value within the practice. And that helps everybody work together as a team. It's even mm -hmm. better. Yeah. So you were talking about the importance of motion, emotional intelligence, but there's another term there that we talked about earlier, and that was burnout. So how does emotional intelligence help you develop some tools, develop some skill sets uh, to guard against burnout for yourself? I, I think it's just being aware when you're actually hitting that burnout. It's being aware of the signs and everyone knows the signs. You get a little tired, you get fatigued. Maybe you're not sleeping as well, things like that. But to take care of yourself to prevent the burnout is really a good way to do it. You don't wait for it to happen, you prevent it. So you eat good food, you eat nourishing food, you have that chocolate once in a while, that's great. But you can you know, make sure you get plenty of sleep because your brain literally needs to clean itself up. It gets rid of the toxins every night. It's incredibly important. And that way you are thinking clearly, more clearly every day. Um, when you start to doubt your own decisions and others, you know you're getting burned out. How do you feel when you first walk in in the morning if you feel exhilarated? And the difference between good stress and bad stress is a good way to put this. So my good stress is when I've really worked really hard all day 
and I go home and I go to sleep at night and I feel like, wow, we've gotten a lot done and we've worked really hard. That's good stress. That's when I have all the tools I need to do my job. Bad stress is when you don't have the tools and you feel like you're going nowhere fast. And like, I hate going nowhere fast and people feel lower in value. You want everyone to feel like they have a role. The front desk even will come up and say, you know, talking about burnout, but just general um, value in your role. They come up to me and say, you know, what am I doing? I never see the end of what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm going nowhere fast. And I'm like the, the mouse in the wheel, you know, the hamster in the wheel. And when they put in the information incorrectly, they've done their job. The claim gets paid the first time. When they do the schedule, they're doing, they're working with patient flow. So if you explain to everyone how and why their role really adds value to the practice and it contributes to the team, that's a good way to bond people together and prevent burnout on every level. And it makes you feel proud because everyone's working together and you respect that and they respect you. It's a good thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I want to go back to your session then. So we've heard some of the building blocks of emotional intelligence. Um, what is something about your session that you would want someone to take away from it? What's something they could learn about themselves or about emotional intelligence by attending your session in San Diego? Yes, thank you. Um, the first time I actually saw someone present on emotional intelligence was at an MGMA conference and she was amazing. And that's what led me to really believe in this. And it really works. I mean, again, it's your instincts kicking in. I think the takeaway from this would really be the title. And I'm doing this on the Tuesday afternoon of the conference. And the title is, what are, are your cues? Affirm your balance, awareness, and relationship management. And it's really about your professionalism, your relationship, and your own awareness, and your relationship awareness as well. So how you're speaking with staff, how you're treating staff, how do you delegate? You know, you can delegate walking up to someone and saying, here, I don't have time to do this. Or you can say, I've heard you're great with spreadsheets. Can you help me with this at month end? Which one do you think comes off better? That's emotional intelligence. And if everyone has someone they can't quite get along with at work, so it's breaking communication barriers, it's how to make people feel empowered, how to make other people feel empowered, it improves communication, and it's being just cognizant of what others do so you can work better together. Mm -hmm. I, when I hear about emotional intelligence, something always goes through my mind about the nature nurture version of it. Cause you're going to be providing people with tools about emotional intelligence, but you've talked about instincts kicking, kicking in several times as well. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, are we born, like we're born with an innate IQ. So but when we're talking about emotional intelligence and EQ, how much of it are we born with? We just have it. And how much of it can we actually strengthen and uh, improve through yeah, tools constantly. and techniques? Yes, it constantly grows. Um, it's all up to you. And we are um, the best. And I, and I give this um, example in my books too, is when I was a waitress, somebody would walk in and I could tell if they were a good tipper. You could just tell. <laughs> I could, uh, it was an amazing gift because I made sure they were at my table. You know, it was great. And I made a lot of money doing that. I could not do that now, but it's because you're so immersed in it. And the beauty of this, and this is a workshop, it's not even just a session, it's a workshop where everyone talks and we have questions and stuff. The beauty of this is everyone knows their own practice. Everyone knows their patients. Everyone's patients are different. The demographics are different. 
practices may have the same same protocols, but the population and their and their patients are very different. You know them, and if you know them, you're able to know how to approach them for payment. You, you're able to know how to approach them better for compliance. So it's it just works really well. Yeah. Okay, I have to follow up and ask you then, because um, this is a skill I want to learn. How can you look at somebody and tell if they're going to be a good tipper or? Is... I don't know. It wasn't the clothing. I think it was, think it was their face. I th okay. now that I'm thinking about this. I think it was just their demeanor. Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's the thing about emotional intelligence. I am what I am. You are what you are. There is no right or wrong. Everyone has values, and that's taught to you by the time you're six or seven. That's ingrained. If we respect each person's values and you're not hurting anybody, it's a beautiful thing. And you get along and you respect everybody. It's, it, it just goes in a positive manner, which is also what EI is about as well. You know, talking about um, taking information and using emotional intelligence, um, technology is a really good example of that. Mm -hmm. So you can have technology, but you have to have the emotional intelligence that goes with it. And that's in the approach of care. So if you have, for example, um, my publisher actually used this term and I love it. He said, there needs to be a handshake between technology and your protocols. My aunt says there needs to be a conversation, a connection. And that makes sense. So you can't really change systems too much but you have to make sure that they work with your protocols. The emotional intelligence in us has us physically watch the patient as they use that tablet and make their payment. Is it easy for them to do or is it a pain? You wanna make anything easy for them to do so they accept it easier. That's, be, that's emotional intelligence. When you have the doctor who constantly looks at their computer instead right. of the patient, that's bad emotional intelligence. That's why so many patients want eye contact. So you can work literally hand in hand with technology to improve. Technology gives you the reports and the information for your staff for, for any um, errors they're making. And then you use your emotional intelligence on how to approach that biller who's not doing the right thing or whatever. And with patients, it's the same thing. If you're using better emotional intelligence and you have better outcomes. Mm -hmm. You brought up the example and you and I may have even talked about this previously on podcast but it's that um, healthcare provider who sits down with the patient yes. and there's, I mean, they have that awesome technology in their lap. They have an entire uh, computer, so to speak, with an iPad or some form of that right in front of them, but you're just staring at the top of their head, not good communication there, not good EQ there. Um, other than just saying, don't do that, <laughs> <laughs> what what, what, what else do you do? I mean, because there's, okay, I'm going to teach this person not to stare at their computer when they're doing it, but that doesn't, that in and of itself doesn't mean they suddenly have good EQ. So what do you get into someone's mind so that they begin connecting with that other human being that's sitting across from them? Just like in the way that we're doing right now, yeah. how do you do that? What do you, uh, I transfer to them? What information or skill set do you transfer to them? So it's not just don't do this and do this, but how do you do it where you really connect with people there? I tell them to take pauses because in the end it saves them time, even though they take a few seconds extra. If you tell the patient what you're doing and why, they will wait. If they don't know, then it just builds fear. 
That's the emotional intelligence. Eye contact is the very best thing you can do. I think Dale Carnegie said the two things people like to hear most is your name and thank you, right? That's right. So, Susan, thank you, for, thank you for allowing me to enter this information into your chart. I want to make sure I get everything in right. You're still not coughing anymore, right? That's over, right? Yes, that's correct. So I know they're paying attention. They're looking up at me. They're going back and forth. It is a talent. It, is, it does take training. And if you want it to happen, it can happen. Um, you know, just like I can look down and read something and then I look back up at you. If I know that it's going to happen and I feel secure in the care, and you could even say if you just got a new system and you're doing new templates, you can be honest with the patient and say, we just got these new templates. They're supposed to save us time. Let's see what happens. You know, and then they're in it with you and they right. respect what you're doing. And, and also you're treating them more as an equal instead of someone you're just on the other side of a machine. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, let's talk about this then. So if you have a practice leader who goes to your session, learns some of these great tools, goes back to their practice, how do they transfer that information to their staff? Because they'll say you can't take everybody with you. So the practice leader goes, how do right. they get back and then put that into place um, and begin to see results with the team. The best thing they can do is go back and listen. If they, if they attend the session and they listen with awareness, they're going to hear things they've never heard before. It's almost like they're a ghost patient. They're just going to hear things that they've never, because our office becomes like our living room and we tune things out just like we do at home. We get used to certain things that we just don't hear anymore. If you come in with new ears and eyes and noses, every sense, right? Mm -hmm. then you will notice it. Maybe you'll notice, boy, that lunchroom really does stink when I'm walking down the hall. I never noticed that before. You know, things like that, the patients notice that they may not mention, but they just may not come back. Or it's upsetting somebody or something. Um, have conversations with everybody. When I used to go to meetings, I would always have the next staff meeting going over what I learned at the meetings. And I would say, you know, I learned this. This is great. We're going to do a few exercises as a group. Um, like my books have questions at the end for workbook questions, that kind of thing. But you pose questions to them and you talk about it as a group. You can also have it one-on-one -on -one with each other. Um, you know, like Susan, I've noticed you've been a little unhappy lately. Is there something I can do for you? You know, you don't want to call that out certainly in front of the whole crowd, mm -hmm. but having one-on-ones, the best thing you can do also is sit down with someone at their job, at their job with no interruptions, no interruptions for 15 minutes. What do you like about your job? What don't you like about your job? And how would you change it? The ones that are burned out will automatically say, nothing's gonna change, it doesn't matter. And they're already looking for another job and then you have to ask, do I wanna keep them or do I wanna let them go? Because mm -hmm. if you wanna keep them, you let them know how valuable they are. If they say, oh, we could do this, this, and this, and they come up with three different things, that's amazing. And those small ideas, when you listen to those small ideas that directly relate to them, they want to keep going, they want to keep moving, and they come up with big ideas. And it shows that you're listening to them, and that's what they want. Mm -hmm. There's a loyalty factor there that's huge, absolutely huge. If they know you're listening, and you're authentic, and you really want to make their day better, then they will come up with things for you. Mm -hmm. In a medical practice, <laughs> there's a want and a need to benchmark and measure things you can measure those rev cycles. You can measure other aspects of the practice. Can you measure 
emotional intelligence among the staff? Is that, is it measurable or is it just something like, gosh, darn it, we're doing it and it feels better now. What's, what's the result? It, what's the outcome? It is measurable. Actually, other, co other um, companies have measured their net income when they trained with emotional intelligence versus not. And L'Oreal, they netted another quarter million, netted a quarter million by training their staff. They had reduced overage. They had reduced conflict. So, I mean, emotional intelligence for your staff is, is, I think the best thing to do with emotional intelligence is, it's not gonna be in your PM reports. It's not going to be in your EMR. It's going to be in your increased payments at the front desk because you've increased time of service collections. It's going to be in your better increased outcomes because your patients are more compliant and they're listening to what you say they should do. It's every interaction that a patient has with your staff affects how much they want to pay that day and how much they want to follow what you would like them to do. So they look for care the very beginning of when they walk in the door. From everyone they walk in the door, you know, as, as soon as they see anybody from receptionist on, they're mm -hmm. looking for care from everybody. If everybody offers that and everybody does it together, that's the emotional intelligence. There's, again, there's not a report that does it, but if you see reduced outage um, from your, uh, and reduced overtime because your staff is more engaged because they feel more valued, they're getting their job better, productivity increases. Again, if the front desk knows how to approach a patient and ask them kindly and, and appropriately for payment, um, making them feel secure and instead of give me your money, it's how much, how, how will you be paying that today, please? Things like that in a nice way with eye contact, that can make a difference. Okay, okay. Um, I wanna talk to you about something else that you've uh, uh, delved into during this last uh, year, two years or so. You've written a book about emotional intelligence. Give us an idea about that. What, because there are a lot of emotional intelligence books out there on the market. How right. did you approach the topic? What is different about yours? What would be of interest to healthcare professionals in reading your take on emotional intelligence? And yeah, I actually wrote two books um, okay. years ago, but COVID put off the printing of the first one and the second one's coming out this fall. And the first one is called Common Nonsense with a Question Mark. And the second one is called Uncommon Sense. And the workbook is called Now It All Makes Sense. So it's kind of the trilogy. Okay. Uh, the reason it really pertains to medical practices, I would say, is because it's full of incredible stories of my working in administration, what it has taught me, real life examples, everything from um, profitability in a practice and speaking with your boss about how to spend money on things when they don't want to spend money, which often happens, um, how to get support from your physicians, how to reduce physician conflict, how to build teams, um, how to communicate with your teams. I have um, quotes in there from everybody to Goethe Thunberg to Frank Zappa. Um, I have a, and they're great quotes and it applies. They all apply. And and it's about life. It's about life and dealing with people. And it's for medical management, but on Amazon, it's, it's like number 209 in work balance. Hmm. Because a lot of that is, a lot of right now, a lot of what people are going through and have learned from COVID is where their priorities are truly, where they truly are. And 
what they really want to do in their life. And I want to be a leader. I want to do this. I don't want to make it right. And it brings out everyone's value. Um, and it, it, it's like the, it's the book where I've seen a lot of people say they mark it up and they, and they put little notes in there and they fold pages over. And that's what I want. I want it to be a reference. It's kind of a primer for new managers and a reminder for some who have forgotten why we're here. I wrote these books, <laughs> excuse me. I wrote these books because I am seeing healthcare changing to a take a number system. I wanna protect the very best in healthcare while embracing technology and we can do both together. There are certain things we want to conserve and preserve with traditional healthcare, the compassion, the care, the emotional intelligence, and not just, here's your medicine, take a number, go home. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stories in there about how not to communicate, um, again, about some conflicts that have been resolved. I also apparently, which I never realized until I wrote this book, have a lot of family members who were doctors, never realized it before. But several of my uncles and my grandfathers were both doctors or all doctors. So I have great stories about the history of some of my uh, relatives in Brooklyn with their practices. It's a, it's a nice little slice of a lot of history along with um, how to get along with people now and run a practice and really enjoy it. Okay. Well, a final thing then on that, um, if anybody listening is interested in purchasing any of the trilogy uh, or the whole trilogy here, um, where would they do that? Where could they go to find your book? They can find it on Amazon under Susan Fink Child's Common Nonsense, or if you go to my website, evohcc.com, you'll see a whole page for it. And you can actually get a discount if you go through my website. And I would say to do that now, because once the second book comes out, it's going to be a whole different set in pricing. So check it out. But I'm here to talk about emotional intelligence. And I'm very excited because I like people to do their job and do it well and really enjoy it and have a great day. So that's the oh, goal. That is wonderful. Well, Susan, it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. So thanks so much for stopping by again and uh, look forward to seeing you in San Diego. Yes, I'll see you soon. Take care. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Insights. Thanks to our guest, Susan Childs. Also, thanks to All Scripts and to MGMA Leaders Conference for sponsoring this week's show. Accelerate your path to medical practice leadership. Join us in San Diego, October 24th through the 27th at the Medical Practice Excellence Leaders Conference. Or you can join us for our digital experience, November 16th through the 18th. Visit mgma.com mpe21 and register today. And with Allscripts Revenue Cycle Management Services, you get a robust end-to-end -end revenue cycle solution that improves reimbursement processes and offers access to advanced analytics and reporting. Learn more at allscripts.com. If you like the show, please rate and review it wherever you get your podcast. If you have topics you'd like us to cover or experts you'd like us to interview, email us at podcast at mgma.com or you can find me on Twitter at MGMA Daniel. MGMA Insights is presented by Declan McGee, Rob Ketchum, and I'm Daniel Williams. Stay safe and thanks for listening.
Hi, this is Declan McGee, one of the producers for the MGMA Insights Podcast. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership. Thanks.